everyone. My name is Anya, and my name is Selina, and this is the Reaccess Podcast. We are the hosts of today's episode titled "Talk the Work, Unleash Your Branding." We're going to talk about professional English. Anya, what is professional English for you? Well, I think that professional English is an aspect of learning the English language which is often avoided by many people. However, it is a part of language which can be incredibly useful in life and professional development. Elena, what do you think? Speaking English is very important nowadays. It's a great tool, especially for people who consider themselves as professionals in their fields. Would you like to take a part in a course related to professional English? Of course, I would like to take part in it. We've organized a survey among our alumni on the topic of professional English, and here are the results. Eight percent of respondents have taken an internship abroad, while about fifty percent of respondents either had this experience in Russia or would like to take it abroad. Only half of the people voted have their CVs both in English and Russian, while the other half have only in Russian. We got lots of replies about problems during the interview. Most of the respondents were not confident enough about their qualifications or were too nervous. The rest of the people felt that they lacked preparation or couldn't predict the questions they could be asked. Practically everyone agrees that having a good CV is really important, and most of the respondents define it as a first impression of a candidate. Our alumni went into all details about the factors important for the employee in their candidates, and the most popular were motivation, experience, critical thinking, and confidence. It's great that we have an opportunity to become real professionals with the help of the course by virtual educator Jay Smallwood, which is starting soon. Meet Margarita and Jay and learn more details about him, his career, and his amazing course with us. Hi everybody, my name is Margarita and today I'm the interviewer on this podcast episode and our guest today is Jay Smallwood. Hello Jay, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Uh, pretty good, thank you. So Jay, could you please introduce yourself? Right. So my name is Jay Smallwood. I am a PhD at the University of Cambridge and I'm studying language acquisition specifically how people's first language influences how they learn a second language. I'm currently a virtual educator for the English language programs with the US Department of State. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be starting this course on professional skills. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. That sounds really really interesting. Well, honestly, I studied linguistics myself some time ago, but not in Cambridge unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was it was pretty good university in Russia. And so, uh talking about your course. The course is about professional English first of all. And could you please tell us what is professional English? How do you understand it? Yeah, so professional English is really just um being able to navigate professional spaces, academia, business, law, medicine, you name it. And it's really just how you build credibility and influence the people that you work with. Um obviously on this course we're going to be focusing on writing and speaking. I mean I think those are the most important skills when it comes to professional English. But yeah, it's just really important for everyone to learn and it's not something that um comes naturally to people. 
even as a native speaker, um, you know, I had to learn how to, you know, kind of communicate in professional, professional situations as well. So, um, I just think it's something that everyone needs to be able to, you know, to do. Yes, yes, definitely agree. I'm preparing for IELTS exam right now and I struggle a lot with writing. Yeah, good <laughs> so, luck. Yeah, thank you. Before our interview, I Googled what is professional English and all the time I saw that professional English is just business English. Do you agree with this statement? Not necessarily because, you know, Again, like I don't work in business. I've been a teacher for about 15 years now. Um, so I work primarily in education and academia. I wouldn't consider that business. There, you know, there are people that work, like I said, in medicine and law and each different field, I think, you know, is slightly different in terms of the way people communicate. But generally, like, you know, but the basics, like the professional skills is kind of like the basis of that, regardless of whatever field that you're working in. But I don't think it's limited to just business. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. I don't work in business as well. But I need to communicate with my boss somehow. And of course, yeah. I, I don't really know how. <laughs> okay, so but um, could you please tell us how did professional English help you in your career and your personal life? or maybe still helping? Yeah. So, I mean, I use professional English every day, um, communicating with my supervisor, with my students, with my um, administration, um, staff at the university. So, I mean, I'm constantly using professional English. And, you know, it, it's, it's the way that you deal with people, really. It's the way that you communicate. And, you know, if you don't do it right, it's going to rub people the wrong way. Um, it can lead to miscommunication and ultimately not getting what you want. So I think that um, for me personally, just, you know, having this skill and well, being good at it, I think, um, has helped me, you know, do things like get into Cambridge, for example, you know, get the jobs that I've wanted, um, you know, just kind of advance my career. So I think, you know, without it, I don't I don't think I wouldn't have, have gotten as far as I have um, if my skills weren't you know, as developed as they are now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you say that if we want to get into Cambridge, we definitely need to attend your course, yeah? Probably, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, we will try our best to to get at least interview maybe with sure, someone yeah. at Cambridge after. <laughs> yeah, you already said that you have some students. And um, as far as I know, you... Uh, conducted some courses uh, before. So what what are the results of your previous year of work? Yeah, so I haven't actually done a specifically a specific course dedicated to just professional skills. I've mm. taught writing, I've taught, you know, giving presentations, I've taught writing emails. Um, so this course is just kind of combining all of those elements. And unfortunately, you know, as a teacher, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have these sessions where we go over your writing and we go over, you know, you give a presentation, I give you feedback, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, once you leave the class, like I don't see you again. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I can only assume that my students are more successful and they're in a better position to apply for the jobs that they want or the courses and universities that they want to attend to. Um, so 
I mean, I can't really, I can't really say what the results are because, you know, like I, I'm not yeah. there you know, when they're doing it, but I will say that, uh, people generally feel more confident, um, yeah. in their abilities once they, once they finish, you know, with me. Um, and, you know, I can definitely see the, the improvement from the beginning of the course, you know, in terms of their writing and, uh, their awareness of, you know, informal and formal and registers, um, and just, you know, kind of industry specific, uh, vocabulary that they need to use. I can definitely see the difference, you know, from their first, from the first email to like their last email or their first yeah. draft of the CV to, you know, the final result. Um, so I can say that, you know, yeah, they definitely feel more confident, um, in their abilities. And, you know, I, 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 I'm always, you know, whether they're still in my class or not, I'm always, you know, happy to hear success stories from students, um, when they do achieve their goals, whatever those are. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, um, you said that before you haven't conducted like a big course like this. So it was just like CV presentation part. So, can we then call this course of a professional English as one of the results of your previous work? We could. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I've taught, like I said, when I taught the CV writing, um, it was part of a general, um, a general English course. Um, the same with, uh, presentation skills. That was when I was working at a university. So I guess you could say that this is kind of a continuation of that. I will be drawing on my past experiences with, you know, what worked, what's effective, um, what people liked, what people didn't like. Um, and I'm going to be bringing that to this current course. Um, so, you know, yeah, I guess we can see what it looks like when you just put it all together. But it, honestly, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same skills, whether, you know, you're, I'm working in a university or, you know, it's just, general kind of English, you know, it's just kind of combining those different elements um, and just practicing them in a, in a, in a safe environment. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you. So as you know, our podcast is focused on the international communication and the connection of people from all over the world. And in the um, prospect I've received, it said that you work with people from uh, approximately 50 countries. Yeah, I have. Oh, that is very impressive. I haven't yeah. been to 50 countries in general, so <laughs> have you? I haven't either. I just oh, taught well. them. I haven't been to all 50 countries. I've just taught people <laughs> from those countries. Well, but uh, but still, it's uh, it's quite impressive. I'm not sure if I met people from 50 countries, honestly, but who knows? So, and talking about cultural communication, so how was it in general to walk with people from that many countries i'm pretty sure it was completely different countries and people with completely different backgrounds so yeah um yeah well first of all it wasn't at the same time so <laughs> yeah so i didn't i didn't have just 50 50 countries just in one room so it, it was it's a uh, over a period of you know my whole career um you know i've had the opportunity to work with people from different backgrounds and it's been very positive and um it's i've, I've loved learning from, you know, people from all kinds of different cultures and religions and, you know, um, professional backgrounds and that kind of thing. So they've taught me so much about just, you know, not just language, but just about life and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, intercultural communication is definitely a big part of professional skills. So not just CV writing, you know, like 
it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So one of the things that we're probably going to talk about, or not probably, definitely going to talk about on this course is kind of like the differences in, you know, how you would write a CV is different in Russia than, you know, than the U.S., than in Germany, than in Saudi Arabia, than in China. You know, there's all kinds of cultural differences that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, be aware of. Um, and you wouldn't be aware of it until you encounter it. Um, so yeah, just having that experience of having taught so many people, you know, just, I just learned to not take things for granted, basically yeah. things that I would consider just normal, um, just everyday average things can be completely different for, for someone, um, in a different country. So, um, I bring, I'm going to try to bring that international perspective to the course and, um, just, you know, kind of focus on the, the importance of intercultural, the inter intercultural dimension of uh, professional skills. Yeah, I see. Thank you. But um, do you think you had maybe some um, issues before working people from other countries, like maybe um, people of other cultures you're not really aware of. So do you think you had maybe some problems with understanding, with communicating, communication? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's, it's natural. It's completely normal. It's not something negative. It's, it's, you know, it's a learning experience. And I think that, you know, the most important thing is that whenever you, um, are dealing with a new culture or people from a different background is that, you know, it, it It, it's normally not a problem if you're coming from uh, a place of respect and just kind of open communication and just showing that you're willing to learn from your mistakes. Um, so for example, I worked in Saudi Arabia for 10 years and that is a very different culture. You know, I think for Russians yeah. as well as Americans, you know, yeah. <laughs> just not even, not even just culturally, but you know, you have this religious, uh, uh, component to it. And yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, obviously nothing that nothing illegal um oh, or anything wow. like, you know <laughs> nothing that, like you know like you know that damaged my relationships you know and i think that was because like you know people just knew you know i developed relationships with people and they knew that you know if i ever did make a mistake or if i said the wrong thing or something you know they knew that it was just because i didn't know any better um and yes. you know and whenever they would tell me you know i was always open to just to being educated um so for example um i can say that When I was working in Saudi Arabia, um, things like things, everyday things like birthdays, that's yeah. something that's taboo in, in Saudi Arabia. You're not supposed to talk about people's birthday. You're oh. not supposed to celebrate birthdays. And I didn't know because, you know, when, okay. when you're training to be a teacher, like, you know, that's one of the big activities is like, you know, how old are you? When were you born? Um, and so that's kind of a sensitive topic, um, for some people, not everyone, but for some, some segments of Saudi society. Um, so yeah, I, I, when I went there, I, I was completely ignorant to that. Um, the same with family and, um, showing faces. That was another big thing, especially of women. So yeah. when we would do activities about, um, you know, draw a picture of your family or make a family <laughs> tree or something like something, you know, something for me, that's just, just so normal and ordinary, you know, the, my students would be uncomfortable Because in their religion and their culture, like you're not supposed to, um, show images of women, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I had to learn. And, you know, so basically what I had to do was just kind of adapt my activities 
um, still find a way to do it, but find a way to do it that was respectful to the culture and the religion. Um, and, you know, just going forward, just, yeah, being mindful of those differences and just not taking anything for granted. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's always going to be challenging, um, but it doesn't have to be a negative experience. Just go into it with an open mind. And, you know, people know when you're working internationally, you know, people are very understanding, you know, if, if especially if they, um, if they're reaching out to you uh, across cultures that, you know, they're not going to know necessarily about your particular uh, practices, so to speak. So, um, you know, mistakes happen, but again, just go with an open mind and, you know, be open to new experiences. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thank you for sharing your experience of uh, working in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I definitely have the same issue sometimes because uh, even if I'm not a teacher right now and uh, I work in a completely different sphere, I work with a lot of people from different countries and especially with a lot of people from African countries. I also had some, maybe uh, some problems with understanding because, for example, uh, I live in Northern Ireland and one woman, mm. I think she's from Zimbabwe. I'm not 100% sure, but she just asked me if it's okay for people to kiss each other on this trip here. <laughs> and I was really, I don't know, I was just very surprised and uh, I, I didn't know what to say. I was like, well, yes, but wh what do you mean if they can kiss each other? Because in her country, it's illegal and you can go to uh, prison for kissing someone on the street. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was the, it was the same in, in Saudi Arabia. Like even married couples, you know, generally don't show affection, you know, in public. It's just kind of yeah. um, just something that you don't do. Um, so, yeah, there, there's all kinds of even and even, you know, communication styles are different. You know, some cultures are more direct and some cultures prefer a more indirect style of you know, emailing or whatever. So sometimes you don't know what they mean or what they really want. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it can be challenging um, to, to, to communicate uh, across cultures, but it can be done. It's not impossible and people do it all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I also learned that you worked with some Russian speakers before, with some people from Russia. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so as we've been talking about this uh, cross-cultural communication and about some challenging, uh, challenging situations, did you uh, have you experienced maybe some challenging situations working with uh, Russian people? Uh, did you understand us? Maybe you didn't understand us all the time, or what are pros and cons maybe of working with Russians? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, first of all, I don't want to pose it as a challenge because I feel like that's a kind of a negative word. Okay. I mean, I would say it's it wasn't. I had an opportunity to okay. <laughs> to, okay. to work with. Um, um, so, for example, I've worked with a lot of Russian teachers. Um, so, in my in my teacher training, doing like Celta, Delta, um, that kind of thing, um, I've worked with a lot of Russian teachers. You know, Eastern, yeah. you know, generally Eastern European, Belarusian. Um, you know, Polish, that kind of thing. It's kind of yeah. very similar, you know, and I, I found that, you know, Russian people are not really afraid to say what they think. They're very direct. Okay. <laughs> you, okay. know, I, you know, and, and that, that, that can be a 
that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It's, it's, I think it's just neutral. It's just, you know, it's just a general cultural thing. Um, but honestly, they were, from my experience working with the teachers, you know, I found that they were extremely professional. Um, like they were some of the, the most knowledgeable, you know, very thorough people that I've worked with. Um, just comparing them with like other, um, kind of nationalities that I've worked with. Um, so I, I really, you know, and this isn't just the, the, the language programs. I'm talking about my other teacher trainings that I've done. Yeah. Um, you know, they've just been really professional and just hardworking. Um, so I would, that's, if, if you're looking for a description of how I would describe, you know, my Russian colleagues, like that yeah. would be it. Direct, hardworking, professional, um, very serious. Um, but, you know, once you get to know people, and this is the truth for anyone you work with, once you get to know people, you know, we're more the same than we are different. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's like positives or negatives. It's, it's just, it's just a fact. It's just, you know, something that you have to learn how to deal with, you know, regardless of whichever country you're working with. Okay. Thank you. It's very nice to hear. <laughs> and, and I, well, I'm not teacher right now, but my, in my diploma, I'm a teacher. So apparently yeah. I'm very professional, serious and direct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, let's, um, let's come back maybe to a little bit to professional English, uh, as your courses about it. And let's talk a little bit about the, uh, professional English, uh, parts. Could you please, uh, name the three biggest mistakes that people can make on their CVs? This is a great question. So I think, so number one, um, just to go back to the cultural thing that we talked about, um, the, I think the number one thing would just be not being aware of the requirements of the country that you're, of this, uh, that you're sending the CV to. So each country is very different in terms of the information that you can and cannot put on a CV. Um, so for example, in the US, you should not put a photo, you should not put your relationship status, you should not put your nationality or religion or how many children you have or how old you are, anything mm -hmm. like that, any like yeah. identifying information. And I think this is the same for the UK as well. Um, and I, I know that that's something in, in other parts of the world that, you know, it's kind of normal that people do that. Um, so one of the big mistakes that I notice for um, a lot of my learners is that they include these things. And the reason we don't do that is we don't want to um, discriminate against someone, um, even subconsciously, based on their background. You know, yeah. so removing all that information just kind of forces the recruiter or hiring manager to focus exclusively on your skills and your experiences and your background yeah. and your education rather than anything else. So I think that's like the number one mistake that I noticed. Um, the second one is not being specific enough. So some of the CVs that I read are very general. Um, they'll say something like, um, you know, I worked at the supermarket. Um, I, you know, I was, I was on the cash register or something like that. And like, wow. that's what I, you know, like that's, and that's it. So that's not very helpful. Um, so when you're writing a CV and this is something that we're going to cover in the class, when you're writing a CV, you should be very specific and try to quantify what you've done. And this is 
difficult for some professions. It's easier for some and more difficult for others. Obviously, if you work in a field like sales and marketing, you can just say, you know, I increase sales by 50% or, you know, I use mm-hmm. this, this um, style of uh, this marketing approach to attract, you know, this amount of customers over this amount of time compared to last year, something like that. Yeah. Um, teachers is a little bit different because, you know, we, you know, it's very difficult to kind of quantify the results, but, you yeah. know, one thing we can do is we can say, you know, we increased um, test scores, you know, in this group compared to last year. Or one thing that I did when I was doing um, a writing course at the university was I actually put the the I actually put the students' essays into a computer program and analyzed their sentence complexity, and mm-hmm. I tracked it over their different drafts because they had to do three drafts and then they submitted the final one for a grade. So for that one, I was able to see how their sentences became more complex over time and how their grade levels improved, like objectively, not just like my own like here's an A, I think this is an A paper, or this is a C paper. It was just like quantifiably objective um, measures. Um, so it can be done. Even for fields where you don't think it can be done, it can be done. So I think that that would be my second thing is yeah. to just be more specific and find ways to um, to say what you did and you know how you did it that was unique to you um, so that your CV will be completely different from somebody else's, even if they were working the same job. Um, the third one I think would be, um, not having enough information. So not just, you know, being too general, but just having lots of white space on your CV. Mm -hmm. I know that people don't have a lot of experience. Maybe they've just graduated from university or, or haven't gone to university and this is their first job or they haven't had many jobs or something like that. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you should just have you know, maybe half a page of a CV, you know, you can always do online courses, online trainings for free on LinkedIn, or, you know, any other platform, include those in whatever skills that you learned. Um, Or, you know, if, if, you know, maybe if if you were, uh, you know, you're married, and you know, your, your, your wife or husband was the breadwinner of the household, and you just took care of the children, that's still a skill, you know, and you can still list those. You know, you took care of children and you took care of, you know, your parents or your grandparents, you know, you do learn things from the, from that. And so even if you don't have a lot of experience, you know, quote unquote professional experience, yeah. um, some skills do transfer, you know, we call those transferable skills. Um, and you can definitely put those on a CV. So one thing that I hate to see, um, is just someone that's only listed, you know, maybe three things that they've done, they, you know, they, their high school diploma and, you know, maybe one or two things after that. Um, there's all kinds of things that in your life that you've done that you can include in your CV that, you know, that people want to see, um, hiring managers want to see, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be about your degrees or formal education, you know, again, it can be about anything. So yeah, the third thing would definitely be to just have a, you know, a, Kind of a, a lot of white space, we say on your CV, a lot of empty space. Um, you need to f- make sure that your CV is at least a page and it's full. Okay. Okay. So do you say that we should definitely show off on our CVs? 
Yes, but not too much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, so there's yeah, some limits. Some limits. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there are limits. You know, but you know, be honest. Like I said, if even if you don't have any experience, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, when I say fill up the page, I don't mean lie. You know, um, because people can definitely tell. You know, when you're overstating yeah. something or embellishing or something like this. So, you know, you can fill up a page without going overboard. You know, we expect a little bit, you know, there's a, you know, yeah. you can fluff it just a tiny bit, but there's a limit. And, you know, once you go past that limit, um, I think that that's going to do more harm than good. So maybe I would suggest having someone else read your CV um, and getting their honest opinion about it um, would be a good idea to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're making yourself look good, but not too good. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. That's definitely a good piece of advice because I personally didn't know about that. In some countries, people write down that they have like so many children and maybe some other personal information because, uh, I'm pretty sure that in Russia, we don't require to write it. Uh, maybe just marital status, but I yeah, don't think, I think so. The main thing is, you know, um, some companies, uh, in, in like the Middle East and Asia, like they want to know how many, uh, how many children they, um, they're going to have to sponsor because it's part of the contract. So they, they pay for so many children, um, as part of your contract. So they need to know how many you have before they give you a job offer so they can know how, if they can afford you or not. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This definitely very interesting and it's completely different from yeah. Russia. Uh, because, um, as far as I know, pretty often women, they, uh, have problems, especially like young women. They have problems with finding a job because, uh, employers, they just, uh, uh, even if you don't have to write in the CV that you like married or you have that many children, like on, on interviews, uh, women can be asked if they're planning to get married or if they're planning mm -hmm. to get pregnant so and it's pretty often women they just get refusals because they're young and the employers think that oh like she's young she will get pregnant soon like she won't be back like uh i don't know in the next uh, three five years because uh, she will have like this um maternity leave maternity leave. Yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh because of their maternity leave and stuff so but i, I don't know i didn't really try to get a job in russia that many times so i haven't experienced that so okay let's move on and um talking about professional english and um, maybe you could give us some um, tips or share some secrets uh to a person who who has uh an interview for university or maybe for a job offer how person can impress the employer or like, the university uh, community and stuff. Yeah, no, I think, you know, this, and this isn't really a, a big secret. I think the most important thing is to be yourself because, you know, even if you have, you know, an ideal university or ideal unit, a job that you want to apply for, um, even if you put forward this kind of false impression of someone that you're not, you could end up getting a job a position or a course of study that really isn't the right fit for you. So yeah. I think my biggest advice would be to just, you know, bring your authentic self to the interview. And if they don't, 
like who you are, then you don't really want to work for them anyway. You know, so if you want to be funny, be funny. If you want to, you know, you know, if they ask you about your background, you know, just, you know, be honest about whatever it is that you've done. Um, because yeah, again, you know, it, it could hurt you in the long run not to do that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you very much, Jay. Um, I would say it is the end of our interview. And uh, thank you very much again for being with us today and sharing your experience. So is there anything you would like to tell to our listeners? Well, I'm just really looking forward to getting to know all of you. It's going to be a very exciting class. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of you. I think we have about 60 to 70 students um, or eight, even 80 that express interest. So there's going to be a yeah. lot of people. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you and um, helping you improve your professional skills. Thank you. Thank you. We, we are also very excited for this course that can wait to start it. Uh, so thank you once again, Jay, and hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Margarita and Jay, for a wonderful interview. It was great to meet such a qualified teacher like Jay. After hearing this, I'm eager to take part in this course. Hope our listeners will join Jay there. And now we are going to listen to Natasha and Katya, our social team. Hi, I've been posting my resume online while I was asleep, hoping to get my dream job. It was a wonderful episode with a professor of our new course in professional English. We are looking forward to the start of the course to check whether this course is as good as we would tell today, or it will be even better. Stay tuned and follow our news and we will tell you in detail about everything. Speaking of news, the Virtual Alumni Reunion is coming this autumn. Details about it will be posted on our social media in October. We will have several weekends to spend together enjoying various workshops and trainings from our alumni and English language specialists. We will be using the Zoom platform. If you are an Access or Advanced alumni and want to join the reunion, please contact us via the link in the podcast description. We can't wait to see you there! We heard the fascinating interview about professional English. What's more interesting is that there were a pile of useful words which can beautify our daily speech. So I'm Christina and I'm the host, and now I'm going to discuss them with you. Credibility is the quality of being trusted and believed in. Nice collocation from the interview was to build credibility. Next one is go into something with an open mind. It means to have a willingness to give some upcoming situation or activity a fair and thorough consideration before making a judgment or decision. For example, I will tell you straight away that I don't think a budget increase will be possible. Said that, I will listen to a proposal with an open mind. Next one is cross-cultural. Cross-cultural means comparing or dealing with two or more different cultures. For example, cross-cultural influences on an artist's work. Next one is overstate. 
It is a synonym of the word exaggerate. For example, the importance of a child's early year cannot be overstated. In terms of something, it means regarding or in reference to. For instance, femininity is still defined in terms of beauty. Next one is embellish. In literal meaning, to make beautiful as by ornamentation or just decorate. For example, the book was embellished with drawings. In direct meaning, he embellished his speech with a few quotations. And the last collocation for today, take someone or something for granted. It means to consider something as true, correct, real or available. For example, I guess I just took your support for granted because I thought you would be there for me no matter what. These were all the words that I wanted to discuss with you. Use them to sound more native. Stay tuned, because the more our podcasts you listen to, the more professional your English become. And kindly remind you not forget to leave any comments, participate in our activities, and make this community better together. For Russian Access alumni or an Access teacher, check out the VK link in the description of the Reaccess podcast and join our wonderful community. And we'll do everything in our power to help you enjoy learning English. Stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. In the future, we plan to interview some active and inspiring Access alumni and our listeners. I'm Inas and my co-hosts are Elena, Anya and Christina. The interviewer is Margarita, the tech team are Vika and Elena, the social news tellers are Natasha and Katya. And this was the Reaccess podcast. See you next time.